Jesus is in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. He's facing the shore, and the people are on the shore, and it's kind of a natural amphitheater. And he teaches them. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus is giving a very ordinary, he's talking about something that is very ordinary. Uh, everyone in the audience would have seen someone uh, broadcasting seed on their field. Many of them had done it themselves, right? And so Jesus is just describing uh, something very familiar. There are four kinds of soil. So you're broadcasting your seed, and in Israel at this time, most of the fields were uh, long, narrow rectangles, and they were not divided by fences or stone walls, but rather uh, little walking paths. And so the sower would walk along the path and then broadcast the seed and then go to the other side and broadcast the seed. And no matter how skilled you were, some of the seed was going to fall onto the, the hardened path. And that seed wasn't going to take root. Uh, rather, the birds would swoop down and grab the seed. First kind of soil. Second kind of soil is the rocky soil. And this is not soil that has, you know, rocks mixed in. No self-respecting farmer would leave the rocks uh, in the field. We don't do that even, right? Trying to plant grass, you're going to pull the rocks out. This is uh, describing rock that, like a bedrock that's under the soil. You know, maybe eight inches underneath the, the plow hasn't hit the rock. The farmer's unaware that this bedrock is underneath the topsoil. But it means that the seed, it starts to grow down, starts to put roots, but then the roots hit the rock and it can't go deep enough. And so then when the sun comes out, uh, that those type, the plants that are growing over bedrock, they can't hold, retain enough water, they'll scorch and die. Early on, uh, because they're not going down, they'll actually often come up soon, sooner than, than the other plants and, and have an early appearance of being uh, thriving. Third kind of soil is the soil with uh, the thorns in it. Now, remember, this is a field that's been plowed, and so you can't tell, uh, the, 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 the farmer can't tell that the thorns are there. They're little it's like chickweed or danding lions, right? And you rototiller your 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 uh, lawn up, and you think it looks awesome, and you sow your grass seed, and then what happens? Chickweed just comes up, and the dandelions come up, and then ah, it frustrates you. But you don't know it until the stuff starts growing, and so that's what uh, 
There are thorns, there's, there's weedy stuff, there, there's, there are impurities in the soil, right? And so when the seed uh, starts to grow up, so grow up the impurities and they choke out the life of the grain. And then there's the final soil and that's the good soil and the roots go down and up comes the grain and the grain um, grows and flourishes and there is a big return on investment. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Big return on investment. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if that's all we got, how many here would have figured out the point of this? Right? Huh, what's he really... What? Obviously, he's making a spiritual point, but what is the spiritual point? Make sure you check... Your soil better, test your soil when you buy a field. You, I'm not getting it here. And so you've got to figure that a lot of people in the crowd heard it and thought, eh, interesting. I'm not sure what he's talking about. And, and then they just moved on. And some might have thought harder about it and come up with some theories. But it was the ones who continued to follow Jesus who then learned what the point really was. And so Jesus does, fortunately, give us uh, the point that he was making. He explains the parable to us, but it wasn't to the crowd. He didn't explain it to the crowd. He explained it to the, uh, to the disciples, to those who were close to him. And then, of course, uh, they went out and shared it with others. So it requires continual following of Jesus to really grasp uh, the full import of what he teaches. So here's, the, here's what we learn. Jesus explains this parable in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yield, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So the seed is the word of the kingdom uh, in other Gospels where this parable is uh, explained, it's just the Word of God, or most precisely, it's the gospel. It's the good news that God loved us enough that He sent Jesus, His only Son, to into the world to live a righteous life and then willingly die upon the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, 
And those who repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ, uh, our sins are forgiven us. The Spirit of the living God indwells us and empowers us to live a righteous life. And then when we die, the same Spirit that brought Christ back from the dead brings us back from the dead, and then we go and live forever and ever with God. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And so that's the seed. And, and and the sower at this time is Jesus, but then it became the apostles. And, and, and the sower could be you when you're talking to a friend. It could be me up here, anyone who shares the gospel with someone else. But the parable is all about uh, the heart, the human heart, and the kinds of hearts that hear the gospel how people respond to the gospel. And there are four kinds of hearts that Jesus talks about and how people respond to the gospel. And the first heart is the hard heart. The hard heart is uh, like the path. It's been, you know, beaten down. And so they, this person who has a hard heart, they hear the gospel and they say, no, thank you. They're not interested. The gospel doesn't uh, take any root in their life. It just sort of bounces off them. And there are, you know, we can speculate as to why uh, some people have hardened hearts. It might be that they have ingested a naturalistic worldview uh, in which they believe that uh, we and all around us are simply the product of random chance, and they, are, they don't believe in a spiritual realm, they don't believe in God, and therefore the gospel just bounces off them. Could be, it could be that they've got unanswered questions. Uh, they've got um, kind of uh, hang-ups, skeptical uh, hang-ups about the, the message of Christianity and the truthfulness of Christianity. It could be that they think... Uh, I can't become a Christian because then I will risk a very important relationship. My spouse might get mad. Uh, that boyfriend or girlfriend might break up with me. I might get kicked out of the uh, cool club, you know, at school, and I'm not willing to pay that price. Uh, it could be that they're already caught up in another religion, and so they, they, they are uh, fooled into thinking that they already have a spiritual life. Uh, and it could be that they just are uh, in love with a particular sin, and they think, if I become a Christian, i got to give up that sin. I'm not willing to do it. So there are many reasons people's hearts might be hard. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, a lot of people, when they hear the gospel, they don't see it as good news for them, and they say, no thanks. That's the hardened heart. Second kind of heart is the shallow heart. And this is the, uh, represented by the soil that has the, the bedrock underneath. Now, the shallow heart, here's what's interesting. The shallow heart, initially, when they hear the gospel, they receive it with joy. This is great. I want in. They raise their hand. They pray the prayer. And, and there, there are early signs of life, right? The plant starts to grow up. And so they're in our church and they go to the small group, and they might be serving, and they're telling other people that they're a Christian. And they think that this is great until the, the shallow heart always has an until. The shallow heart uh, is temporary. There comes a test of the faith, and the person with the shallow heart fails the test. 
And it might be weeks, it might be months, it might even be years. But at some point, their faith is tested and their faith fails. And Jesus says it's because of either tribulation or persecution. Now, tribulation might be just some difficulty that God allows in our lives. And we say, hey, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to be a Christian means God takes care of me and doesn't let bad things happen in my life. God has failed me. I'm not. If this is the way he's going to run my life, no thank you. And Jesus says, the person with the shallow heart falls away. Uh, It could be, I prayed so sincerely, and God didn't answer my prayer. Therefore, he must not be real. Or he certainly isn't running my life the way he wants me to run my life. Or it could be persecution, where because you're a Christian, you begin to suffer, and you think, I, don't, I can't handle this suffering. If I just stop being a Christian, the suffering will go away. Whatever the cause, there comes a point when the shallow-hearted person says, I'm no longer a Christian. They fall away. They leave the church. And if you've followed Christ for a while, you, you can bring to mind some people that you know Uh, who once were all about Jesus, and now they're not. Now, in the church, the debate rages over, were they ever saved, right? Did they lose their salvation, or were they just never saved? Well, Jesus here is saying, uh, their heart was not right. And you don't, as a pastor, you you don't know until the test comes and they walk away. And in a crowd this size, it's very possible there, there are some people right here, uh, and that's the condition of their heart. And we won't know. But God knows, and you can know. If, there, if, you, if, you're asking, if there's anything in your life you say, if God were to do that or allow that to happen or ask me to do that or, or to give that up, the answer would be no. If there are limitations, if you can imagine limitations to following God... If there's a, I want God, but only if it grants me this, that's probably the condition of your heart. <clears throat> then there is the, uh, the third heart is the worldly heart. And it's represented by the soil with the thorns. And the worldly heart, this person thinks she's a Christian. He calls himself a Christian, probably attends church, but there is no spiritual fruit. There's no harvest. The gospel is not transforming their life. Uh, It's the, Jesus says, it's the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. They are uh, in love with this world. That's what preoccupies their attention. That's what has their affection. And so God is relegated to a very uh, small place in their, in their life. And so what, what does Jesus say? It's the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke, choke out the, the seed. And so the, there's no life. But again, what's terrifying is that this person is fooled. This person thinks she's a Christian. He thinks he's a Christian, but he's not. 
And so the only, uh, the test, the proof is in the fruit. So let's talk a moment about what is spiritual fruit. Well, there is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. If you are a true Christian, if you have received the gospel with the right kind of heart, the fruit of the Spirit will be um, ex- it will be g- g- what? Give me the right word. It's growing, it's exploding, it's becoming more and more characteristic of you, right? You should say, hey, I am f- far more patient than I was five years ago. <laughs> I am more loving than I was five years ago. I'm more self-controlled, right? The fruits of the Spirit should be growing and becoming more and more characteristic of our lives. Our spiritual tra- trajectory should be uh, going up. Then there is the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness. Are we becoming more like Jesus? Is, are, are the sinful patterns of our life going down and the righteous patterns of our life going up? Are we becoming more like our Savior? Then there is the fruit of praise. Listen, if the only time you say praise God and thank thank God is on Sunday when you're being coached because the words are on the screen and somebody is saying, please stand and sing with me, right? If if you've got the right kind of heart, if the gospel is bearing fruit in your life, you're going to, during the other days of the week, on your own, without prompting, you're going to say, God, you're good. Thank you. I love you. I praise you. And then there is the fruit of ministry. Are other people being spiritually affected by your life? Are you talking about God at, at work and at school? Do other people hear the gospel because of you? Are other people being discipled because of you? If there is no fruit, and, and notice what Jesus doesn't say, in the good soil, the seed will go up and there will be a watermelon or You know, there's going to be one little grain of sand. It says there was going to be a 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold harvest. The fruit in your life, if your heart is right, if you have really received the gospel the way you're supposed to, it's going to be evident to all that you are a Christian. How many times have I asked a young person who starts dating, hey, is he a Christian? Well, I don't know. I think so. They, he says he is. You know, is she a Christian? I'm not really sure. When I hear that, I think, <laughs> probably not, right? Uh, it, just, it just shouldn't be difficult. Ask a non, if you wonder whether you have spiritual fruit in your life, ask a non-Christian. Hey, uh, I'm a Christian. Does that surprise you? And a non-Christian, you know, if they say, yeah, that really surprised me. You never talk about him, and frankly, your life looks just like my life. But a non-Christian probably, if you're a real Christian, a non-Christian can say, yeah, of course I know that. Everybody knows that. I mean, it's all over what you do and what you say and how you act. And um, If you're married, ask your spouse. They can tell you, right? There should be spiritual There will be fruit in your life if you are a true Christian. So, again, here's the sobering thing. 
Of the four soils, three of them represent unbelievers, people who will not be in heaven. And of the four soils, two of them are in the churches and are fooled, right? The person who is the temporary Christian, the shallow-hearted person, during that, you know, until their faith is tested, they believe they're a Christian. And the worldly-hearted person, uh, they think they're a Christian. They say they're Christians. But Jesus is saying their heart is not right. And they're the person who is going, Jesus, they're going to hear Jesus say someday, I'm sorry, depart from me. I never knew you. As a pastor, it's not my job to, to judge, but I do need to proclaim uh, the truth. God knows your heart. You know your heart. And so, if you are con convicted this morning, the good thing is uh, we have sovereignty over our hearts. And so, maybe, maybe you do have, you know, uh, bedrock. Maybe there are thorns in your life. You know what? The Spirit of the living God wants to help break up the soil of your heart. He wants to make your heart right. And you can choose that. And so if you have been convicted that, you know what, I think I'm a shallow-hearted Christian. I, I think that I've got limitations and conditions upon my following, uh, following Jesus Christ. Then you repent of that and say, you know what, I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God and you alone have the words of eternal life. And you may run my life however you wish. I make, I make no um, claims upon you. Uh, my life is yours. You do with me as you want uh, because I want life everlasting. And if you have been convicted that your heart is too enamored with this world and it's choking out the spiritual life and there is no spiritual fruit, you can repent of that. And, and you can give God your attention and your affection. So, God, right now, in one moment, by the power of His Holy Spirit and your will, can break up your fallowed ground, right? So that the gospel can come and, and, and uh, entrench itself and transform your life fully. If everybody would close his and her eyes and bow your heads. I'm going to go silent here, and you do business with God. What is the soil of your heart? Spirit of God, we submit ourselves to you, and we ask that you would reveal to us any rocks or impurity or hardness in our hearts 
uh, and then just, uh, would you break up uh, and purify the soil of our hearts, Lord, so that we would follow you for a lifetime and that our lives would be uh, fully transformed and characterized by a harvest of spiritual fruit so that when we stand before you someday, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your master's joy. We love you and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.